0: Welcome back to the Radical Awareness Podcast. Thanks for joining us for what is the second of three parts. This is the continuation of our awareness through suicide from a few months back. If you haven't listened to that first episode, I'd highly recommend going back and finding awareness through suicide in our list here. We're back with Jess Morphin today, continuing the story and now we've come to discuss healing the grief, in particular, her mother's journey with grief of losing her son to suicide. And Jess's journey of how to manage her own grief in a time of supporting someone else. It really is a fascinating, fascinating experience that uh, her entire family has been through and just a very brief warning that we are discussing the topic of suicide including methods of suicide and actual events around suicide so viewer slash sorry listener discretion is absolutely advised if it's not something that you really want to listen to today then just be mindful of uh Turning off when you need to. Otherwise, sit back and allow Jess to take you on this fascinating journey. The Radical 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 Awareness Podcast. Podcast with Nicole and John Allen. And welcome back to another episode of the Radical Awareness Podcast. We are very excited to be welcoming back our first return guest and Jessica Jess Morfin. You might remember her from uh, the episode entitled Awareness Through Suicide. And you may remember that the story wasn't quite complete. No,
1: and i'd just like to say that this episode is our most popular episode Mm -hmm. on this podcast so there's definitely many of you that are interested in this topic and i think because it is a topic that is challenging to talk about especially because death is just a little bit taboo but talking about it as well from i want to say a slightly optimistic point of view and more of a what can come from it and a spiritual point of view so we're very blessed to have jess here And to keep going with the story, Uh, just before we got started, we were laughing that it might be part two of three because it's a very long, beautiful story. So we'll see how we go and um, sit back and enjoy where all of the the story and the tangents are going to take us today.
0: And if you haven't listened to that first episode, um, scroll back Awareness Through Suicide um, and have a listen to that one first because we're not going to do a huge amount of contextualizing. We do a little bit, like I said, not a huge amount. <laughs> no, <just> <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: uh, in our first one, Jess, who is sitting across the table from us right now, spoke about losing her brother when he was only 19, um, through taking his own life. And we spoke about kind of what that meant and how it influenced her and her mum and everything that came with that. So, again, not going to go into much more detail, but that was the original loss, and we're gonna come back from when Jess actually left, left Switzerland is that right? So after after our his funeral who I'm sure is close by right now as we share more of his story mm-hmm.
2: Thank you so much for having me back, it's a real honour I'm really honoured to hear that it's been um, popular or that people have been listening mm-hmm. um, uh, Yeah, I'm great. really really grateful for that um, Yeah, so <clears throat> After um, that very special um, encounter with the medium where we learned or uh, where for for my mum and I it was the first time where it's like oh we have proof of, of the spiritual world or we have proof mm-hmm. that Ronnie's soul um, is still alive and that that um, yeah, that we are actually all energy and way more beyond our meat suit here on <laughs> earth um, we wanted to learn more about that and explore and <clears throat> and especially my mum as well and uh interestingly she had a vision where she um was dying while i had a vision that she was dying at the same time or very similar time and um what my mum was describing is that she had this overwhelming feeling of joy and, and peace. And if everyone knew how um, that feels like no one would cry at a funeral, everyone would, would celebrate and make a big party. And, um, and she was craving that feeling um, and she wanted to know more about that and uh so when i came back to new zealand after three months in switzerland um shortly after my mum could come to new zealand as well because that was a holiday that was originally planned with my brother and we wanted it so that he had the option to stay as long as he wanted um to to take a breather to restructure his life to find new ways of of um, find a way of healing Um, sadly obviously didn't come to that Uh, but my mum was still coming anyway and and we we started um or she really wanted to find a way how to get in touch with the spiritual world by herself and we went to a a workshop where she um where we learned Different approaches on meditation, and I tried to kind of um, uh, manipulate her into menip- into meditation <laughs> beforehand, and it, I wasn't very successful. She was like, "Can I smoke while I meditate?" <laughs> like, um, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> um,
2: but 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 in this context, context, the the goal for her was so clear. Why? She um, wants to uh, try it and give it her best go, um, and she really started to to get something from it and to um, feel that interaction and and get uh, almost a little a first tangible touch to the spiritual world within her own self in mm-hmm. in meditation, and. Um, <clears throat> And she stayed here for three weeks and then went, had to go back to Switzerland because she in the meantime started working again. And so she had to go back to work and um, she worked in a, in a bank at a, um, a, a very, uh, she had a lot of um, contact with customers and a lot of customers know her personally and know obviously what has happened and so she she just had to put up a um a mask and she couldn't talk about Ronnie at all and she just had to push it she had to completely numb it and push it to the side um but she started to really really struggle with that and it took all of her energy and when she was at home she was alone most of the time because um Sadly, all of the rest of our family has died shortly before Roni's death as well. So mm. her her dad died three months before. Her mom died <clears throat> two years before. And so there wasn't much um, family support around. So she was often alone at home. And, and then the her thoughts were just um, going, 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 going. And... Um, and it was like she was leaving. She was living two lives: the the work life, and then when she came home, she had a complete collapse, mm-hmm. and would either only sleep or, or not sleep at all, and just her brain going 100 mm-hmm. miles an hour. And those um, thoughts were were always around the same the same topic: a lot of regret, a lot of um, scenes with my brother. Where she wished she would have done something different. Um, especially a big regret was for her um, spending a lot of time with her with at the, that time the boyfriend she had after um divorcing Roni's father. And <clears throat> and Ronnie's father has a lot of narcissistic tendencies and um and she thought she's moved on from that, but um, didn't mm. realize that she was still highly influenced and manipulated by that boyfriend um, and his own needs. So she was fulfilling his needs, spending a lot of time with him and not making what she feels would have been enough time for Roni mm. or the way she sees it now. And uh in the end, Ronnie then, um, two years prior to his death, uh, moved to his dad, and so she. That was a very. Um, uh, 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 what's the word? Um, crucial moment for my mum, or where where she felt heartbroken that she has, lost him in that way. Um, but at his dad's place, he he had a lot more freedom mm-hmm. and he
1: could do whatever he wanted. Uh, Can I ask, sorry, did, yes? did she find it a, a crucial moment at the time or on reflection, looking back?
2: Both. Already mm. at the time because I went back to Switzerland to visit her because it was she was not well mm. when that happened and I wanted to – chat with Ronnie as well and see why yeah what's what's going on because I I knew that he wasn't in a nurturing environment mm-hmm. uh, around his dad um, but it was very difficult to reach Ronnie and and he he didn't he just couldn't really open up and uh, to his true thoughts and his true feelings and um And so for him it was easier because at his dad's place he could just follow, you know, he could, um, uh, yeah, uh, do smoke weed and stuff and and no one was there to really control or really have an eye on him Um, and he could just do whatever. Yeah, he could just do his own thing whereas my mom was, very worried and would want to know more and that was he, he he on one hand he wanted that but on the other hand she mm. still wasn't present enough <clears throat> for wow. him or wasn't present in her own self enough for him so it was a, it was a lot of pull and 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 push and um and yeah so he moved to his dad and my mum spent more time with her boyfriend and that was something that she then just could not understand why she did that why mm. she did not um gift all of her time to to ronnie when she felt inside that
1: something wasn't right um she yes yet yeah, i just it's so it's so painful, right, when yeah. we sit in reflection and think about these things because we think, oh, but there was only going to be 19 years. But at that time, there was going to be 90 years yes. of his life. And there is just so much compassion for a teenage boy. Let's put it into context. What was he, 16 at this time? Yeah. A 16-year-old boy who is just trying to find his way and isn't really talking. From a societal point of view, we would think of this as so normal. You know, yeah. even with even with mental health challenges, it's mm-hmm. still like, oh, that's just what they go through. It's a, it's a coming of age. It's a transition stage. It's all of these things. And even if she would tried to do something, she would have been seen as the overbearing mother, you know, yeah. too controlling, not letting him have his freedom. All of these things that the regret here is just that pain that's spiraling. But actually, she was also just trying to honor her son in so many ways. But you can see as we go into this, the trauma from everybody, her own trauma history and her own trauma bonds with these partners, Ronnie's own trauma, his dad's own trauma, your own trauma, you know, everybody that it's actually hearing it like this when you pull it apart is that everybody was doing the best they could with the resources they had, 100%. Exact, and that, yeah. you know, and I've met your mom and, you know, seen the the absolute turmoil that she's gone through and the pain, which is just, an unbearable pain but it's also knowing that she did the best she could and that it's to look back we're like i could should have just been here and just kind of doting on this child who's going to leave in two years but no one could ever fathom that and if we walked around life thinking they might kill themselves next week you know we would be probably in a bigger mess than we are now you know as much as yes cultivating presence but that takes so much energy and, and it takes so much bypassing of our subconscious programs to become present and to heal and when you're trying to work and you're in an abusive relationship yourself that by the sounds of it your mother was she had no opportunity to heal or to be more present yeah and that's not her fault yes at all like where was her support do you know it's um so hard that she's then having to experience all of this self uh pain and kind of torture mm-hmm. and, and it's and, and
0: it's not- really very, um, common in the kind of developmental stages particularly of a boy that in this phase that those teenage years that they're looking for the outside male role model yeah they've done the mum phase they've done the dad phase and now they're looking out and they're looking for someone else looking for something else and if it doesn't land in their life in a positive way they don't go back to mum and dad they go to the closest outside male role model and if and and if that's and if that ends up being someone who's into marijuana, in this case, that's the path mm. that he ends up on. Mm. You know, not saying that that was his only thing, but that these influences, the, these stages of life are so influential. Mm.
1: And it also illustrates that he wasn't going back to dad because he found comfort in dad. He was going back, like what you said, to a place where there was just more freedom to try and find the other type of mentors that he yeah. was looking for and that it wasn't a parental role. And actually, no matter what your mum did, she probably couldn't have done anything else. Yeah, like it wasn't; it's not the time and the stage, and you could go through the whole life of like, but what did I do? It's like understanding the trauma history she'd come from. It's really, really hard, and that this was that choice, and that's where it's this understanding of like, was this his journey? You know, was this what it was supposed to be?
2: And Mm. he didn't talk as well; like he didn't. He didn't. At that at that time, we had no idea he was suffering from depression or how what was really going on inside of him and so we as you said we thought there was going to be 90 years Mm. and it was just a teenage a teenage phase um yeah and but now of course she she wanted to hold on to every moment in her memory that was Mm. left with him and and she felt like oh there were so many opportunities where um where i where i am didn't do where I did I wasn't present and what was I doing I was working and with my most of the time and then with my boyfriend and and um, and Ronnie asked her like why why are you working all the time what for what what what's the goal what for Wow.
1: and she so wise, eh <laughs> yeah and she
2: dismissed it at the time she's like yeah what do you mean I mean I, 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 otherwise I couldn't you know pay for this and that, and your phone, or you know, and all of that, and I'm working for for you as well. But um, but now, that sentence would not leave her mm. her brain, and, and she was constantly thinking, why why am I why am I working? What for? What is this? What is this uh, hamster wheel running race? for who's who's benefiting from it and I am not Mm. (laughs) and so um she she was in that struggle and started to um think about stop working and everyone around was against it so she was um seeing the psychiatrist that last saw my brother the neighbor and she had a she wanted to know from him what was happening in the last session. And, and he was saying, oh, well, Roni's trauma wasn't really a trauma. And he said that to Roni himself, that yes. nothing really traumatic happened in your life. So there is Only no reason. Only having a narcissistic
1: father and parents who have their own trauma, which just for everyone listening, if your parents have experienced trauma, then you have experienced trauma. That's how it works, exactly. full stop. If you perceive something as challenging, if you perceive something as traumatic, it is traumatic. Yeah. And anyone, even a trained psychologist telling you otherwise is incorrect because they do not know your experience. And it's very disempowering. In a uh, yeah, it, it,
2: it was, it, you know, like Orney must have felt so like, oh, like a wuss that he's, that he's, um, yeah, that he's making things up
1: or or mm-hmm. that he, he just didn't feel validated in his feelings at all. As a teenage all. boy going and having therapy and being able to share and being told there's nothing wrong when you feel like you're like, but there's something wrong mm-hmm. because there is for you to be told that is like, well, of course you're going to kill yourself, right? Like yeah. if you're like, well, I was obviously just born broken. I'm going to go back and try and get yeah. another body. And now that we know that he was also studying spiritual concepts, you can see how that understanding was drawn and how the mental health system, like we mentioned last time, and really let him down because that's outrageous. To take away someone who's like, but I'm suffering internally, to be told you're not suffering internally. You're making it up is is a very, very dangerous place to be on the psyche. And all of us, and we stand by this, all of us have experienced trauma to some degree. Because life is challenging or life is suffering, according to Buddha. Like this is not, this is not a new concept, you know, that we suffer and then how we deal with that. But we heal trauma, we heal suffering interrelationally. So with others, whether it's with a therapist or with our family and our relationships, when you go to someone to actually for that purpose and are told you don't have anything to heal. Yeah. then you just feel inherently broken, like yeah. you must be the only one. And I can guarantee that was probably a part of his feeling, like, well, now I've got so much shame that I cannot go to the people closest to me and express this because I'm obviously broken, and then they're going to feel either shame in themselves or laugh at me, you yeah. know, to some degree. It is just such a complex and upsetting issue because the spiritual understanding hasn't been brought into it, but also compassion hasn't been brought into it. You know? And it
2: was really interesting because she then was in this clinic of that psychiatrist but she only saw him once or twice and she was given some medicine which only some pills which on which didn't really help her Um, but she saw this psychologist which was working in that same clinic under him and she was uh, interested in spirituality as well so she felt like she could open up to her and mm-hmm. that was, that was a better support. Um, whereas he was saying like, no, 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 that's not my cup of tea. I, you know, you better, you're better off if you see her. Um, so she, she had that little support, but she, she didn't feel like it was, it was enough. And, um, and in the meantime, um, uh, Oh, sorry, no, I think we did I oh yeah, so they but they were all scared that if she was leaving work that she would have no structure and and fall into a bigger a bigger hole mm-hmm. however she um she wanted to do that and was adamant to to mm-hmm. do that and and was just couldn't it took too much energy, it took too much um. She wasn't prepared to just numb it and play a, a role in the society where she felt it, it wasn't it wasn't her at all, mm. and so she um, quit her job and uh, yeah, and used the time to really uh, reflect and dig deep, and it was it was very painful. In the meantime. Um, while she was regretting that she couldn't listen to her inner voice or why she yeah realizing that there were a lot of clouds a lot of her own trauma history clouding her judgment or Mm -hmm. clouding her behavior so that she wasn't able to actually know what she wanted because she wanted to spend time with Honi as well however she didn't she she spent it with her boyfriend even though that's wasn't even beneficial for herself Um, I wanted to explore how okay how can I listen to my own inner voice or how can I be um, in union with my body and my soul and and with the spirit as well and um, yeah started doing yoga was very adamant to find the yoga Studio and the first one I walked into was like, oh, this is my home. <laughs> what
1: studio is that, Jess? Yes. Yeah, yeah. where did you the walk into? Right Yoga <laughs> studio in Milford.
2: Yeah. your studio, and uh, and it was just everything I was looking for, and I didn't have. I thought I was going to look f- for many places, but I didn't have to, because I felt immediately. Thanks,
0: Ronnie. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> <laughs>
2: I felt immediately. Uh, oh. In this space, I can explore myself and I can come closer to myself and 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 I can start moving my own grief because so far it was mainly about my mom's grief and mm. I knew I was I, I put my own grief a little bit to the side and but now it was time to address that and to um, move it through my own body and to do... To do the work to make time for myself and do this and um started going coming to your classes very regularly mm. and and just felt there was just something there i felt so so safe and so like it wasn't about how the moves look looks or or it wasn't about you as teachers either that you know it was i felt you made it very much every class was very much just about me and how can i explore myself and um
0: there were other students there too yes (laughs) (laughs) hopefully having the same experience (laughs) this is our dream student.
2: Um and I and I developed that hunger hunger for the for learning for diving deeper into all of these connections of what 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 is energy healing what uh, what is the chakra system um <clears throat> how is the how does yoga relate to my mind and my body and my soul and and um and then maybe six months after um there was this advertisement for a yoga teacher training in your <laughs> studio and i thought like, oh my god i would love to do that but i can never do that because i only just started yoga and for some reason you you asked me if i wanted to join
1: and it was like yes <laughs> <laughs> and so can i just say uh, this it's very beautiful the unraveling um so we've got I think we mentioned it on the first um, podcast where, you know, when you went through Ronnie's diaries and everything, there was this really big exploration of his own journey into spirituality and yoga and, you know, know Shiva and all of these things and and, in that kind of Indian lineage. And so as we get to this point in the story, it's so beautiful that, that Jess didn't have an interest in yoga, right, before this had happened and that really following what Ronnie had left, what his explorations and how he was managed to do it, And you can see with both um, your mom, Esther, have we said her name? Yeah, Esther. And and Jess, so it's gone on that kind of esoteric spiritual exploration of of death and really looking at that and understanding how to connect with that side, um, which was also, you know, in that line of what Ronnie was experiencing. And I think that line of like why do you work all the time is such an incredible catalyst because it's so embedded in the philosophy and in yoga and and asking those profound questions that he was obviously asking he was looking at society and saying why do people just do this and then die there has to be more to this experience Mm. and as the question was posed you know that time for your moments kind of like but this is what we do there wasn't enough space or more information to land the question in context and yet rather than it being something that Negatively played over. It was the these gifts, these gems that he offered, to be like. But why do we do that? And then it's had this kind of beautiful effect to then come out into your life of like, what What is this about? How do I connect? And so your mum's gone on this kind of more. uh I don't want to say disembodied, but you know that esoteric approach mm-hmm.
0: of well, outer we might, body. We might think of as the upper chakras, the theri- yes. 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 chakra, the third eye, yeah. crown chakra kind of yep. kind of approach of. Of the, the thinking, the analytics, and the connecting to the higher power, the, yeah. the spirits, the beyond, the etc. Which makes
1: sense, even from an age point of view. Yeah. Like, well, one of her babies has passed away, mm. you're much older, you know, and it's like, for you, you've gone into this embodied approach, so you could think more of the lower chakras, but you've got two young children and mm. a family and it's still here and really in that part of of the world. So. What's so beautiful about the story is that you took what he was learning. You took his legacy and his life and then took both strands of it and walked the paths in different directions, but in the same arena of what he was exploring, which is quite a profound Mm -hmm. um, part of how the story unfolds, you know. So then you start to go into your body. And because obviously we were the teachers, (laughs) the instructors in the studio, we saw this happen. I remember very, very vividly the Mm -hmm. first day just walked in. John was at the desk Yeah, <laughs> as a very, a really yeah, interesting and very synchronistic moment where we have, I would always have a sense of like, oh, this person's going to be here. Like they're meant to be here. Some people would come and go. Others were meant to come into the space for a reason to do something else. So from very early on, we had an inkling, let's say, that <laughs> Jess would be doing the training. And, you know, a lot of, some yoga trainings, it's about You've been practicing for five years and you have a level of physical practice and it's about the anatomy and you're just teaching physical poses to other people. And for us, it's more of a, it's a, I think what we call it, life shamanism. You know, it's about (laughs) learning how to navigate life in a different way and how to heal and how to transform ourselves and kind of know how to be in the world so that you are a catalyst for someone else's healing just by the way you're being and living. And that's really, even through teaching asana, you know, posture, that's what our trainings are for. So obviously when, when we saw Jess and knowing what she'd gone through, it was like the perfect person who would be so ready and fit for the training. And yet in her mind, she's like, oh, I don't think I've done yoga long enough. <laughs> but we were watching.
0: Yeah, well, this is the perfect context <laughs> because creepy. we're so contextual in the way that we approach our, our application of yoga like, but there's a context for yoga in everybody's life yeah. and if we can cultivate the awareness of our students who then may go on to become teachers to see that in themselves then they can start to see it in the other so that they they don't build these rules where you have to be able to do a perfect asana to be able to become a teacher or a perfect handstand or whatever the marker point is yeah. the perfect forward fold that it is just this approach of being able to see how the yoga applies to the context of that person's life
2: mm. and and it was so interesting Roni left little almost like little puzzle pieces and um, that we found in his journey and for example um one book that he left was um Ekat's Tolle Uh, a new earth Mm. and he wanted to give that book uh, he wrote down please give this book to um, another teenager that he knew he was struggling it was a bit younger than but they were very close and he he wanted him to have that and so obviously we started reading that as well and we did give it to the other um friend too um and and got so much out of that one and then he another example is that when he was in the mental health institution um one day he just started to stop talking and he wrote that in his dream he got um uh an instruction to just be silent or not not talk for a while and Mm -hmm. he he tried that um for i think only one day um but we were like how how why yeah what's up with that like i want to know more about that and now looking at um silent retreats and what what can come from it it's it's just really interesting mm-hmm. to to um see all the little things he tried or with his best friend um he in they wanted to do meditation um his best friend is really is really good at meditating, and um, but he was he was too he wanted to do it, but his body couldn't. Mm. Um, yeah, so I was very eager mm. to learn. Okay, how can I how can my body do
1: that? Mm. And so I'm beautifully touched there with you know the the conscious desire, the soul desire, even the messages coming from the higher self and the dreams and everything. Of you know to be quiet and to listen to the mind and to start distinguishing between who is observing you know and and that we don't have to believe every thought but when we have trauma right it means that it is it is in our bodies so trauma is stored in your body and your tissues it's there and when you try and sit to meditate and you've got all of the stuff that's in your body you cannot turn that off just by saying okay meditating now Mm. (laughs) it's a process now when you're a 16 year old you know, you're still, you've only been on the planet for 16 Mm. years, you know, you're still learning how to even just be a human, let alone these much more advanced concepts of looking at the mind and understanding your psyche and starting to meditate when you do have trauma, regardless to what a psychologist has said. Um, It becomes so hard because your body is responding in a different way and your body rejects it and it doesn't like change and all of these things start to come up. And so this it's like this divide you know he might have been given something like a diagnosis of bipolar right because there's like these two very distinct personalities Mm -hmm. there's the there's the trauma story and then there's the essence of who he is and they're in conflict quite a lot from a very young age Mm -hmm. and quite a lot of intensity that's a difference between them so that the hardship and just the forgiving of ourselves if you experience this you know but i can't meditate it's like yes because we all have these trauma stories And it doesn't mean you have to become a victim to your trauma, but we need to be able to own it to move past it. And what Ronnie probably really needed is somebody who knew that, you know, to say this is why this is going on. And actually if we shake the body or if we make some sound, if we do that rather than trying to sit just with thought loops, which drive us, well, insane, Mm -hmm. okay, we would have had other tools, but they're more advanced as much as they are out there and there's research backing them. It's such a small percentage of people that actually understand how this can work and that the what we can all learn from this is that it's not within the mental health institutes. Like you're going to these places that are meant to be the top for mental health crisis and there's no support in how to unravel the internal thoughts aside from, you know, drugs. I mean, there are other interventions, but it's like, are they fast enough for the level of consciousness that children are being born with that need more support if they're born into... A level of trauma yeah and I just want to point out having a narcissistic parent is one of the the most hectic traumas you can have you know that type of neglect and emotional abuse from when you're really young messes with your psychology mm. it yeah. is complex PTSD and yeah. it, it is messing with the way you perceive yourself how you perceive the world how you perceive relationships and how you actually deal with your internal dialogue. So it he's messes got, with
0: trust, right? It does mess with trust, it messes, yeah. it messes with your ability to trust others, and it messes. the biggest thing it messes with your ability to trust your yourself. Your
1: intuition. And it's trust your off.
0: thoughts, trust your, trust your body sensations and signals because you've constantly been told that you're wrong mm. in some way, shape, or form, yeah.
1: So if you're listening and you're like, I really struggle to meditate, there's something wrong with me, or it's not for me, it's like anyone can meditate, but there's ways to get in. That can be more supportive. So you're not re-basically re-traumatizing yourself, Mm. sitting in silence with yourself when those thoughts are really, really dominating. Mm. So it's just, it's so beautiful. He was being given all of the things to do and just trying to work it out. And that his life does seem so so short, but so profound Mm. in the lessons it's taught. Like especially you and your mom. But even I know with you know his best friend and other people Mm. and us, we're sitting here. I mean, our life for the last Three years has been profoundly affected in a positive way by his short life as this teenage boy in Switzerland. You know, and we're <laughs> over here in New Zealand. How does that work? Yeah. And we understand yeah. that profound connection. So yeah, yeah, um,
2: yeah. And I was I was fascinated to see um, and or oh, starting the yoga teacher training. Um, I was just so at home in the training or felt like oh my god this is mind-blowing soul-blowing (laughs) body-blowing um because all these things come together and in a mental health institution there's a lot of good things as well that they try to incorporate and in the end it really depends on the people and often Mm -hmm. the caregivers are Mm -hmm. very good um because they're so close to 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 the people but um but, in this training, I could have the body practice, but also having concepts and and having um teachings and learnings that are a thousand years old, but they still apply so profoundly because because they are so old i mean there's a reason why they they have been passed along along and along again and and um and the teacher training, my favorite part was always um, Friday night circle sharing where we would read, um, read a book called um, The Yamas and the Yamas interpreted by um, Deborah Adele, a very small book that you um, was homework to read or we would read a chapter after chapter and then come together and talk about talk about it. And how, do we, how does that reflect in our lives? Because the, the yamas and niyamas are like, um, and you correct me, <laughs> uh, like the 10 pillars um, of the yogic philosophy. And, mm. and um, Deborah Adele just kind of translates it a bit into a modern lifestyle. Mm. And it's very um, relatable. And so, um, for example, I'll I'll pick a few that became the most important for me. Um, the first one is called ahimsa, ahimsa, which means um, non-harming or non-violence. But the way we broke it down in this sharing circles is um, is how can I choose love over fear, or how can I mm. choose, how can I love myself as well, and um, put judgment aside another one is um satya which means uh being truthful or or um yeah how can i be my honest self or mm. in that i saw how how Roni could not be that why mm. could he not um speak his truth um also for my mom often why does she put up a mask and mm. why can she not be her true self? And with my mum that reflects quite literally with a lot of makeup or a lot of um just focus on how am I looking towards the outside, but mm. more in a sense of filling an in, inner void, so I just project everything on the outside. I mm.
1: just it's beautiful. And just to say that. We all do this to a degree because we don't feel safe. Mm. And it is is—it is a really profound um, defense strategy to say, well, I don't actually feel safe, so I'm just going to keep this up here so no mm. one can fully see me. You can imagine it like a little child hiding behind your eyes. It's little child you being like, well, I don't quite want to be seen, so mm. I'm just going to be here. It's kind of like hiding behind mum, you know, the yes. <laughs> exterior is mum and you're in there. And it's not – bad it's like this this thing of how do we find and i think what we've talked about before you know through something like yoga or any embodied practice and awareness practice is that we find a sense of internal safety Mm. how do we feel safe yeah jumping it back to ronnie it's like when you've lost that trust of self and trust of others then you don't feel safe because if you can't trust your own intuitive sense you can't feel safe internally which potentially happened to him and happened to your mum, yes. and knowing a little bit of her history beforehand that makes a lot of sense right yeah. that there wasn't a safety so we even attract people or partners that are kind of abusive but in a way you're just playing it's like that facade is having a relationship with another facade mm. and you're like well I'm going to hide here and this is all good because you can't lean into yourself and we don't feel safe so we're pushing to the edges and not leaning back into our heart center so it's just so nice that your journey of coming into safety in your body in an embodied way, you know. just to touch there.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly that magic, like you, your your inputs in the sharing circle were so, um, yeah, non-judgmental, but just how can I understand my behavior, the, the behavior of the people around me better, the interactions better, and then um, – in the training like how does that reflect in my body how does it reflect in my practice on my mat even in the way i walk um and you start doing that self-reflection which is another um uh, niyama um swadhyaya so self-study another big part of the practice of, of of yoga um so that you become aware of of that and you can and, and at the start, you don't even have to do anything. Just the act of becoming aware of it um, is the basis that then you in, invite change or change will mm. automatically follow that without you forcefully having to do that. Um, and, um, and another big one uh, was um, Asteya, where which means non-stealing or, um, yeah, which, you know, you can take it quite literally, but um, in the sharing circle together with with the other um, trainees, we we talked a lot about help versus support and that really stuck with me. Um, So you say it so nicely that everyone is there their own hero of their own story Mm. and um, when I looked at my mum and I want to help her but do I want to put my thoughts and ideas and worldview on her and do I have that kind of almost arrogance to say that I know what's best for you I know better Mm. I could do it better than you or does she only she know what's best for her and Instead of help, can I support her? Um, so that was a very important key one. And another one was aparigraha, which is the art of letting go or <laughs> letting something um, yeah, die in a way and yeah. then new things open up from there or new thing can, something new can grow out of it. Um, that, that became a really important one too. And the last one, um, Ishvara Pranidhana—I um, might not pronounce it too, too well—is <laughs> um, uh, the concept of surrender, or how can I um, be of service of something bigger? Mm-hmm. And that became um, very important uh, in the in the in the following um, time as well. But exploring these concepts, having heard and and taking time to think about those and reflecting on them but together in a sharing circle with others was super powerful for me um, because I learned so much through every single other person as well even if it's their story I could just dive into their world and 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 uh, it made yeah it made sense to me or when someone had an aha moment it's yeah it became my own aha moment Mm -hmm. as well so having that circle time exploring things with the body was just um super super healing for me and i was yeah i guess in a way thriving or i felt like i was getting towards the end of the training and i was really excited um for 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 graduation. <clears throat> in the meantime, um, my mum in Switzerland stopped working, and for her it was the opposite. So she she declined more and more, and um, she uh, had she wanted to come back to New Zealand, but that's when um, uh, the COVID. world went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> COVID, um COVID hit or, or all the restrictions came in and the borders closed in New Zealand. So she couldn't come to New Zealand anymore. And all of a sudden it was quite an uncomfortable situation where that freedom of movement was been, has been taken away, at least for her to come. And um, And whenever I talked to her, she was talking more about how she um just wants to feel that peace and be how she how she wants to go as well. And um yeah, like kind of wanting that vision that she had of of death. And and she she started to look like a cancer patient and she could hardly um leave her her bed. Um, and it was just getting really 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 nerve wracking and and uh and I applied for an exemption for her to come to New Zealand but that got denied because I was very worried about her mental state, especially because there was no real support for her around or a support where she felt she could fully trust and fully be mm-hmm. her true self. And so one day she she rang me and said you you have to come, I I'm I'm sorry, I know it's a lot, of, um, a lot to ask um, because at that time when you leave New Zealand, you couldn't just come back whenever you wanted. You had to go through managed isolation, quarantine in a hotel. And, um, and so I looked it up and the next one was three months later. So I knew, okay, I go now. I'm not coming back for three months that means I'll definitely have to take the kids with me, um, but I don't know really what I'm walking into. I don't know how how am I gonna support my mum. What's what's gonna happen? Um, but I knew I I had to go, and I uh, called you and was very. <laughs> I've in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to. Can I? finish my teacher training online somehow or yeah i'm sorry i have to i have to go and support my mum. and <clears throat> i went for a last yoga um
1: yoga class and just going to point out here that at this point it was such an exciting time because the group was very close it was coming into yes. new zealand summer It was like we were friends it was just a lot there was a lot happening jess had already said she was going to do the advanced training and we'd even just i think three days before decided you were going to teach a class at the studio
0: at this point she was going to teach
1: it was very exciting and so just the the integrity and the courage to let go of everything to go and support someone else is just such a profound thing and gift that you did, even though it's like, oh, well, I, I had to go. It's my mom. that like you didn't have to go at all. You chose to go and you chose to be there and you chose to support and it was just such an act of incredible service and courage and love and that that should just be known and received by your body for what you chose to do. Aww. And for me receiving the phone call, it was like my heart broke. Like, for one, the just the loss for our whole the whole group, but two, for, for you, you know, for your mom, for knowing how hard it would have been for your mom to ask you, mm. knowing. Also, for you to be like, of course, I want to be with my mom, but I'm letting go of so much of my own joy and excitement and my relationship with my partner. And I'm, yeah, what am I taking the kids to? And I'm walking out of summer and all of these things that I don't think there's enough words to really emphasize the amount of courage it took to make the decision that you did at a time where it's like you're, you've got all of the, let's just say, bullshit of the pandemic. And knowing that you've got to come back through paid isolation um, is, it's a lot. You know, Mm. it is a lot. So,
2: Yeah, so I was, I was, uh, okay, letting go. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: I was in that last uh, yoga class and I remember it was a beautiful moment and I started crying. And um, after I walked out and I hugged you guys goodbye, Unicole said to me, okay, Jesse, let's just do this. And you never call me Jesse because no one calls me Jesse because I'm here in New Zealand, I'm Jess. <laughs> but someone calls me Jesse and that's Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> so only he really... Uh, I don't think I've ever called that. you that since. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but it was another sign like, okay, this is just, this is what we're doing, um, okay. We're going to do this and, and let's go. And, uh, yeah, and another really important moment that I could spend with um, with our best friends at their batch shortly before we left. Um, again, in a circle around a fire mm. and just, uh, just being together and listening to special songs and taking that moment in. And I felt like, okay, this is... I want to remember how this feels and really took a mental picture storing that in my heart because mm-hmm. I need that um, I need that resource later and, mm-hmm. I, um, and I did yeah. sure. I, mean, I did um, come back to those moments um, just to, to help me drop into those, into those feelings <clears throat> but yes it was time to put the teachings into actual practice and so, um, so I packed and we, we went to the airport and just before the airport, there was a huge sign, a James Bond, new James Bond movie sign. And that new James Bond movie was called No Time to Die. <laughs> and it was just written in massive letters <laughs> as we drove to the airport. And I read that sign and I knew, okay, it's a sign.
0: literally (laughs) and
2: and 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 uh, metaphorically and but I also noticed and I had to be really honest okay what what does does it mean like is my mom gonna die or is she not gonna die and and how what what do I want and I started noticing that I felt my forearms were really really heavy Mm -hmm. I felt the whole time um over weeks um just that I had Mm -hmm. I had sore forearms and um and it felt like I had to pick my mum up or carry her or And on one hand, I really wanted that, but on the other hand, also I was tired and I felt like, oh, what happens if I just let go? Um,
0: Just at this point, just a little bit of context, how much of the conversations had you had with your mum about her contemplation of her own suicide at this stage?
2: Um, I had a feeling that... She didn't say it.
0: She hadn't she, said it. By she hand. hadn't yep. said
2: that. Uh, she said that she would, she, she would want to go. Yeah, she would want to go. She's longing for the moment when she can go.
1: And that visualization, right? Or you know, we, what we started with—that feeling or the dream that you both yes. had of the yeah. experience of yeah. death was yeah. really what she's holding on to. Yes. Right?
2: But for me, it was like her heart in that vision. For me, it was her heart can't take it, so oh. she is going to die because her heart is going to stop like more of a natural death right yeah. from grief in her sleep or something and I saw her on the phone and she was very um, yeah she looked like a cancer patient in the last sta, sta- stadium stages sta- yeah. sta- stages, yeah. stages yes that's right um, so I just felt like her body might give in soon. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that she was going to kill herself. Mm. I didn't think that.
1: Um. And it's interesting, Abe, Like, just to point out, it's this whole seeing the vision and feeling the experience of death, because it's also, you know, from a spiritual point of view, we're constantly dying while we're alive Mm. to go into a state of rebirth. Mm. So I think it's like this transitioning now into what you were seeing and even the sign right because those words mean both yeah yeah it's like what is a rebirth is it a death from the earthly plane to reincarnate or to go somewhere else is it a death to come back you know a death of some part of the heart that was there of what you saw it's so interesting it's like transitioning into this phase of rebirth Mm. yeah
2: and so i didn't really know what was gonna happen um But I just felt inside. It was. It was. I was. It was big, and on the plane. And it was. You know, so weird. Like the, the airport was completely empty. There was no one there. Um, On the plane, there were maybe five people.
1: We just say this is November twenty twenty as a reference for
2: people. Yeah, it was actually my brother's birthday. Mm. So it was the um, the twelfth of November. 2020 Mm -hmm. um when we when I flew out and on the flight um the kids again they were really well behaved and I was just listening to a podcast that my best friend recommended to me um, which is called Outrageously Outrageous Openness um Mm -hmm. by uh, Tash something and um Oh, can I find it? Mm, anyway, outrageous openness—it's called—and and, and uh, <clears throat> it's all about little stories from um, her life and how, when you give your, um, when you surrender to a higher power or to God or the universe or whatever God means to you, um, if you, yeah, if you, if you ask for that spiritual support that they it might take a while until you can see it but they're always there and it always leads you onto um onto the path that you actually um subconsciously were wishing for or Mm -hmm. that your soul was was um was choosing for you so i was listening to that and listening to music and just like okay um let's see what's gonna happen. And as soon as we landed in Singapore, um, I got a phone call and I was I was um, having my mask on because it was mask mandatory. And my mom called me and she was like, I don't know what just happened. And I was like, what do you mean? Um, I'm coming to Switzerland. I'm nearly there, like one more flight. <laughs> And um can you come and pick me up and and uh, and she's like well I shouldn't be here. I was like, what do you mean? Um well I I I wanted to to kill myself, but it looks like I'm still alive. <laughs> and I had like to throw the mask away, it's like okay, I need air
1: to breathe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
0: like, I'm halfway oh, there. It's <laughs> <happening. Yeah.
2: laughs> and and she explained to me that um, on my brother's birthday, she she planned to she she did go to his to his um, grave, and uh, planned to take her own life, and that she needed me to come to deal with the funeral and to um, actually yeah just deal with all with all of that, and she felt like she couldn't say goodbye to me that would be too hurtful but she felt she she had to she had no other choice than to take her own life because she just couldn't she physically couldn't hold herself for another day and and the pain was just so so overwhelming so she went to his grave she wrote a letter to the police she wrote a letter to me she wrote instructions where her car is what to do with the car in her apartment she had post-its everywhere where i should where i had to where i could find what everything and um and she took a knife and uh yes had planned to to slit her wrist on the grave there on his birthday at night in the middle of the night hopefully no one else will see her and and um as soon as she wanted to do that she took she had a little bit of alcohol and she had a little bit of and she had a little bit of um lsd that was the leftover from my brother but she had tried that out before just to see how it felt for my brother and anyone who has experience with that knows that it makes you not go to sleep at all um and that was the same experience for her previously. But in that instance, she just was unconscious. Like she, she doesn't remember what happened. She was about to take out the knife. That's what she remembers. She was listening to a song. Um, she was sending me a last text that I didn't get because I was on a flight. Um, but then she re- doesn't recall anything. And she woke up. Seven hours later, at her own home, which is a ten minute drive, um, on her couch, because the phone rang, she woke up and didn't had like no idea what what has happened. But she realized, okay, her car was back in the garage. She took the 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 knife was back in her pocket, all the letters were still were with her. She took randomly a flower pot from the grave as well but she had no idea did someone bring her did someone drive her did she drive herself was she alive was she not like what's happening and that was the moment when she called me and i was like okay just hang on Just wait, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And 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 she was like, "Well, now I might as well come and pick you up from the airport." So, um yeah, we so I went on the next flight and arrived in Switzerland. The boys were running in the airport and took a turn into a glass window and Leo smashed his head and had a huge bump and smashed into Noah, my younger son, and he smashed his uh, lip and was bleeding on the lip. And so this is how we arrived, but this is exactly how it felt like—just like, just like <laughs> so something. Yes, yeah, smashed and the, in the face. I
1: can't and do the emotions; I'll just express yes. it through my body. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. And and my mom was actually there waiting for us at the airport, and I hugged her and cried, and I I was just yeah I oh it was it was a really surreal moment um so we arrived and we went home and other people who have a failed suicide attempt might feel like yeah yeah, i've been given the second chance of life and in my view that was very much the case but not from my mum's view Mm -hmm. she was she was like super frustrated super panicky and and like oh my god how am i gonna die now now that my my daughter is here and my grandsons now it's even even harder but she still felt like this is this is what i have to do i can't even wait for another week so we literally arrived and the kids and I were jet lagged, and it were it was a lot of emotional um, confusion going on too. But my mom was already like, "How do I do it? Uh, how what what what? How are we gonna work through this together now that you're here?" And I said, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna support you. I'm gonna support you in whatever you want. I'm even gonna support you in." in your suicide but i need a little bit of time like (laughs) we can't do it right now um uh the kids couldn't be here and and my friend who could look after the kids she was in self isolation because of she was a close contact of someone who had covid so i was like okay we just give me a little bit of time but there was so much urgency like the
1: the trauma
2: response of it has to happen right mm. now
1: was and it is you know like what you say it is a trauma response to want to do anything if anything if it feels life and death <laughs> which this does and there's urgency you know it's not coming from a balanced place yeah so the fact that you were able to bring in time obviously we were very in communication during this and the the strength and grace i think if you're listening you're probably like how do you even Deal with that, you know. Yeah. How do you get there and turn up? And I think it's a, it shows an amazing resilience of humans just to be like, "Here I am, and this is what I'm doing." But with also two children that were under five, um and going through that is is again is a lot, and especially after. Just to touch on the first experience, because if you're listening and you're like, "Wait, what?" and you feel like there's some unexplained parts about the the suicide attempt, that's because there are unexplained parts of the <laughs> attempt, and. You know, a lot of this, or you might be thinking, oh my gosh, that's so selfish, you know, like why would you do that when your daughter's coming over? And I just want to stop those thoughts for a moment yeah. to be like, this is not selfish. This is how trauma manifests. When you are in a state of that much trauma and that much pain, your world does become what we might perceive as self-centered, I'm doing little, what are these things called?
0: "equals" equals <laughs> Can't see me, self-centered.
1: Um because of how our system becomes depleted and actually Chinese medicine talks beautifully about this but it's when we're depleted we cannot see beyond ourselves so I think the idea of selfishness gets really misinterpreted because it's not that your mom didn't love you or didn't doesn't love her grandchildren or doesn't respect that you would be hurting it's not that it's just how trauma manifests in it's it's cruel bizarre kind of way and in her state it would have been like I'm doing the best because she, was and is doing the best she could then and can now with the resources internally and externally that she had.
0: And you can see the love and care and all of the subsequent actions. Yep, the, the, the in the, in and the, the, the letters there. and the post-its and all of the organization that went into the fact that I have called my daughter over here, but I'm going to try and make this transition as smooth as possible for her because knowing what she went through, what you both went through with Ronnie, with, all of the trying to figure things out. She was like, well, I can make that part easier because I know how much effort that was. So I'll take that off. So you can see the love built into it. That we it. get like mm.
1: really obsessed with honor, oh but you've got to do everything for other people. It's like at the end of the day, we are, we are ourselves, right? That's all we have. And so this choice, just to be very clear, isn't selfish. It's from the trauma and it was what she had to do. What's fascinating is what on earth happened. yeah Yeah. and i know for john and myself we've done lots of learning and research and watching and listening to stories of of things like this that don't make any sense and how you know and a lot of times it really is an out-of-worldly intervention or what they might call an angelic intervention like you can think of like angels i'm going to use that word that come in and actually put her back yeah in the sense that they potentially came through her body drove her back home bought the stuff and she was tapped out of it to be like we love you and we understand your pain and we wanted to let you have this experience right up to this point, but it's actually not your time to go. And your higher self doesn't want to go because there's something else to learn here. So it's a real profound um, understanding that when it's not our time, it's not our time. And I think what's amazing for your mum is that reflection of we can regret, like, what should I have done to keep Ronnie here? It's like it was his time because he could leave Mm. or else he wouldn't have been able to leave. And we can get too caught up in the, oh, but the way he did it or da-da-da-da-da. Mm. It's like, no, no, something would have intervened mm. for that journey because it it can do, right? Mm. It's hard if you you know thinking of accidents and all sorts of things, but it just starts to put a different perception on, on death, what that transition is, how much choice do we have in it from a higher self perspective. And this incredible experience that your mum actually had of having complete divine intervention, you know
2: and i could i could totally see that mm-hmm. but my mom couldn't mm-hmm. feel that and and so there was this yeah there was this um tension and like okay how how do i how do we move forward from from here and um and we did a lot of talking a lot of um okay it wasn't it's not it's not the right time and she she got that and she understood that and she could see that um there was benefits from us talking through a lot like all all our 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 relationship important points and 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 all our lives together and um that was very necessary and she could see that but but she also felt like the grandkids are here. You are here, but I can't feel the love. Like even watching the grandkids was even painful because it reminded her mm.
0: of mm. of
2: my brother. And, and, and one um, of them
0: very much looks like your brother. You yeah, there's such a between your oldest and Ronnie. They 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 look quite similar.
2: Yeah, and and um and and so that was she she and she could say all of that, i know it seems selfish, i know, but i'm i'm worth it i've been through so much pain in in my in my um in my life and and her her own trauma history is is quite fascinating as well, but it's quite unconscious, so she never really addressed that, but she was um she was adopted she was born in in Italy um, and and her own mother um, gave her up for ad- adoption because she her own mother took her own life when she was three months old and she took her own life because the trauma history before that so my mother's mother her gra- her father killed her mother so my mother's grandfather killed my mother's grandmother therefore my mother's mum was very traumatized and killed herself and then my mum ended up being adopted let's say a clean slate and a new family however
1: <laughs> it's not how it it's works, not how it works.
2: <laughs> as a baby she didn't she didn't eat they mm. had to force feed her they had to even she ended up in the hospital because even as a baby, she she could feel all of that and Mm. she didn't want to live. And Mm. her mother- We are not machines. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) imagine her mother in the womb knowing that she's probably gonna end her life or was definitely really, really struggling with life. So she was like, oh, I don't want to be pregnant, but she was. And so that was an inherited belief in my mom. I I shouldn't be alive. I should, and so as a baby, she didn't eat, so she wouldn't be alive. But the adopted family force-fed her, and and um, and it has has little like till till today. My mum has real struggle and swallowing. Um, It's interesting to make these swallowing life,
1: right? Mm. I mean, even just sitting here hearing it, and you know, we know this, but it's so hard to even take it in. You know, as a person hearing that information of the grandfather killing, it's just like, oh, I can't take that. It's very heavy. And so you're so right, that baby being like, oh, I can't. What's interesting is that from that soul perspective, we all choose, right? We all choose our direct parents. We choose the situation we come into to find the perfect conditions to do the work we want to do to evolve as a soul. I was speaking to someone the other day talking about this. He's like, I can remember. You know, I can remember being up there. I did some some regression work and and they're like, are you sure? Are you sure you want these parents? You're going to do it? He's like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, are you sure? You know, he's like every part of the way I was given all these opportunities. And every time I said, yes, I, yeah. I do want this. And so it it takes this next level of radical responsibility, yeah. but it doesn't mean we bypass it yeah. to say, oh, well, I chose this so I don't have to look at it. It's more like, wow, I chose this because I have the resources to overcome this. Yeah. Because as much as I chose a really challenging reincarnation, I also bought the tools, and I might only just have all the tools, but I have just got <laughs> yeah. all the tools. And I might have
2: forgotten
0: where I put the tools. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> In the deep basement, <laughs> but they're there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And so we we had we started unpacking that a bit more, and and I said, okay, let's let's. Let's just go, let's give me a week, let's let's just take a week and go to to the mountains. And we went to a place where she grew up, uh, when she grew up uh, went to as a child. And that was a place where she felt some happiness. So we deliberately went there, and um, we had particularly one lovely day, sunny, where we wa- walked up to a mountain hill. And there was this parking sign there. It said uh it was a parking sign for God. It said God, this is reserved for God, this parking spot here. (laughs) And it was like, oh yes, okay, um, let's let's just find moments where we can feel um God or or Ronnie or 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 um the spiritual world and just slow things a bit down and be and just take it all in and that was um yeah that was that was very helpful Mm -hmm. and she could there, there was some some lightness slightly some lightness coming back for her um uh yeah but then um after maybe five days uh we came we came back we came back to um we came back to uh to my hometown so out that's not in the mountains and um there was still a lot a lot to digest and a lot to um to figure out how how do we move forward from here and yeah it was it was the last zoom call that i could share in um uh, on the training on the training and uh, i was just zooming in online and it was very early early in the morning because of the time changed so it was still dark the kids were sleeping and and i was like okay i need my tool and my tool is the sharing circle mm-hmm. so i could zoom into that and um and the last topic was the surrender topic there. yeah yeah. 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 yeah and uh that was a very um interesting <laughs> <call> for
0: everyone <laughs> yes <laughs> for
2: everyone and um and i started Sharing to the group what was happening in the last week with um, with the flight and my mum's uh, suicide attempt and 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 not working out and it was very interesting um, and it was uh, it was yeah it was great uh, until I noticed the sun coming up and I only then realized that there was another post it on the table and. Um, where my mum has written like I love you and it was written in very um do you know when someone is shaking with a shaking hand mm. and I thought like oh my god why's what, what's what's happening and I thought This like, is
1: happening live, live. on yeah. Zoom in the circle with ten, eleven other people witnessing it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: And I said to you like oh something I I, I something's not right and i looked over and my mom wasn't sleeping on the couch where she often slept and she wasn't in her bed either and because it was dark i didn't realize before so then i realized like oh no she's not here she left me another note um where is she what's oh what's what's happening and i started panicking and um
1: had to hang up at this point, I'm going to introduce the next character who's going to be expanded on more in part three. <laughs> um, and we had a, a a woman on the training who's a, a good friend of ours um, who has what we would call a lot of psychic abilities, so ability to yes. see across time and space and connect with souls and higher selves in a different way and had already connected with, with Ronnie's soul during this process. Um, but she was in the circle as well, and at the time, she was becoming very restless because uh, she knew that something had happened. So this was sort of all happening at the same time. At this point, John's running the circle. I'm outside on the phone with Jess. Yeah. Continue on.
0: And there's a group of 10,
1: Lightly traumatized 11 humans
0: yeah, having an experience of secondary trauma, absolutely, mm. and looking, looking completely in shock. Like, I would say most of the group was in a state of, you know, of, of confusion and shock. Shock, yeah. And so for Nicole and I and our psychic friend, we were a little bit more on the inside and we knew that this meant the potential of suicide attempt happening. And for the others, some were in a level of... Let's say ignorance, so that they were just like, "Well, what's the big fuss about?" And then some who knew a little bit more were in, "Oh my God, what's going to happen?" So the so the murmurs going around the group at the same time that um, Jess is on the phone to Nicole.
1: Mm. Yeah. Over to Jess, back to Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I,
2: you, I don't even remember. Maybe I ask you, what shall I do? Or or. or um, well I have to hang up and i have to i have to call my mum and see what what well, what's what's happening but i knew i knew yeah it's not it doesn't look good um <laughs> and so i um hung up the phone and and then yeah, tried to call my mum. It was very early in the morning, and uh had two little kids still sleeping and <laughs> Couldn't didn't really, really know what house. to
1: do. Yeah. <laughs> didn't really know what to do. And I'm <laughs> assuming you get trained for those situations. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm assuming there's only one vehicle available. So if your mum's yes. gone in the car, you don't have a car. Uh
2: yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
1: Alright. Whew. Now, yeah. my dear friends we're gonna leave it here okay we're, gonna, our, we're gonna
0: take a break
1: we take a break for um for part three where we're gonna kick it back off into into what happened um into the story that we're gonna call it the story of rebirth you yes. know that it's um yeah there's just a lot and just saying, allowing the first part to settle as well because like jess mentioned you know when we're in circles when we're hearing other people's stories it's a way of ourselves understanding our own stories and our own connection to our own human nature so when you're listening, again, it can have a real impact um, on yourself, whatever reason, or, or invoke a certain emotional response and just giving yourself the time to, to be with that and honouring it and honouring the sacredness of the story that is uh, Jess, Ronnie and Esther. Mm. So thank you for sharing up to this point. Thank you. we we'll be yes. back very soon. We'll be back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's where we leave it. Uh, For episode two, episode three is right there in the next track. So you can move straight on over to it or come back to it when you're ready. Again, thanks for listening to the Radical Awareness Podcast. And if you did and do and are enjoying this episode, this story, um, please do share on your social media or click the like subscribe to this podcast for more stories and insight in and around all of the wonderful topics that relate to awareness and developing your awareness of this wonderful spectacular confusing amazing world that we live in for now thanks for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day
1: The Radical Radical Awareness Awareness Podcast.